Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Conversations with Yolanda. And I'm so excited. I have one of my good friends. We, we're going to have some a great conversation about what's been going on with the work that he's doing in his new city. It's not new anymore. Like he left Nashville. It's been a couple of years now. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But he's doing some phenomenal work with the next generation. And we know with everything that's going on in our country, in our communities across the U.S. and even abroad, that the work that Scott is doing is so needed. So, Scott, welcome to Conversations with Yolanda. Yolanda, I am thrilled to be with you. I'm so excited to catch up with you and just kind of talk about where we've been and what God's doing now. Because the good thing is God's not done with our young people. And, no, uh, he is not. No, he is not. No. So, Scott, I know a lot about you, but those that will be listening and be watching do not. So I want you to just give them some foundational information about you and, and how it kind of has driven you to do the work that you're doing. Absolutely. So I have uh, a journey through kind of the traditional model of the church where I was a youth pastor. I was a youth evangelist. I was a lead pastor of a church trying to reach as many people as we could with the gospel. And uh, really, um, because of my evangelism heart, feeling like we weren't doing everything we could, that there had to be a way to reach into the needs of who kids are, to who their real needs, what they're looking for, and try to meet them where they are. And that happens to be on a school campus. And so we, we designed a strategy that literally was a gift from the Lord a strategy that was not something that even I knew how to do, but it was something that I saw needed to be done. And so we reach into the lives of kids where they are, meet them where they are. And, and we really start with a premise that every kid has a passion and a purpose and every person has somebody who helped them achieve it. And so unfortunately in our lives today, most people don't have that opportunity but every meeting I go in, I ask that question. How many can name a person who supported them to get somebody to get you where you are right now? And every hand will go up. Exactly. And today in our schools, our kids don't have that. And so we are literally connecting one generation to the other to give these kids not only a purpose and a, a discovery method to find their purpose, but a process. To, mm -hmm. to really engage in it and achieve it and really see it become to come to life for them. That is so good. You know, you know, we've been, you and I have been involved in nonprofit, for-profit. We've been in all different kinds of spaces at different tables and at different tables. And we've heard about mentoring programs for young people from, I'm not even going to name that organization. I, I'm not going to do that. So we've heard about many of these organizations, but one of the things that just stood out to me that you said, because a lot of time it's like, we're going to go hang out with them. We're going to have a conversation with them. We may stop and get ice cream. We may take them to lunch. But unless that piece of like really coaching and training that young person is really in the person that's training, especially because the or typically the organizations, that's not their focus. Yeah, They want to have you connect with an adult. And we, we know about the 40 developmental assets. Say if, you, if young people spend time with an with a, an adult, they're going to finish high school. But but for me, it's it's more. They need more than just hanging out with an adult. They yeah. need that career piece. So I know, uh, I, I just remember, what, it's probably 15, 20 years ago, sitting in Hendersonville, Tennessee, 
talking about powerhouse, talking about the technology piece, the, the high touch, high tech. And that was a long time ago. And now that we look at where we are with technology, I think back on that and you were so ahead of where everybody was. So not a lot of people understood the concept and to be able to, to get people to invest not just their time, but their money. Why do you think it's different now? And why do you think it was such a struggle for people to jump on board in the early days? Yeah, I think the, the struggle was, it was even hard to communicate what we were wanting to do because, you know, today we have on our phones apps to order pizza, apps to have meetings, apps to get directions. We have all these apps all over our phone. And in 2002, 2003, the only thing you could do on your phone is text. Yes. And, and, and normally you had three letters per number on your phone. And so you had to go through each one trying to text. We, we, we couldn't even describe what we wanted to do. The, the way I would describe it in 2002 and 2003 was we want to build a pipeline of information to these students. Because one thing we were convinced of is that every student had a phone in their hand and they were they were natives to that technology. They knew how to use it even before we had the technology to know. I mean, today I have a 23 year old daughter. If my phone locks up, I just hand her my phone, and say, fix it. I, I, she understands exactly. it. I mean, she's mm -hmm. a native. She's a native to that technology where I am an immigrant because of my age. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a time where phones were introduced, and so I had to learn it differently. But you're so right. When you look at the technology aspect, today when I communicate that into a meeting, I see every head go up, every eye understand what I'm talking about. And so trying to communicate a language in 2002 that really didn't have about foundation to even understand what it was, was a difficult thing. And, and to go back to your original question, needing more than just a buddy, needing more than just a friend. I, I want to give you a, just a little statement of what we really live by. And that's this, your best friend is comfortable with your past, but your mentor is concerned about your future. That's so your best, good. Your best yeah. friend ignores your weakness but your mentor wants to help remove your weakness. Your mentor is a coach, not just a cheerleader. So if you think about it in those aspects, when we're building a platform, yes, we want to have relationship. We think it all begins with relationship with our mentors, uh -huh. but, we, uh -huh. but we want our mentors to be engaged with our students on a platform that makes sense. The, the platform that makes sense is how they were wired. If they are wired for a particular career path, their personality engages in something that's different than just the mundane of what they have seen. Here's what we found. Most students only are aware of their own surroundings. And so they are limited by their exposure. So if they only see what they see, then that's what they believe is their reality. Yes. And so there is generational poverty that I watch someone else live a life. And I assume that's my life in 10 years rather than, what if I could expose you to all the possibilities that are in front of you based on the way that you're wired, the thing that you're passionate about? I heard uh, I heard Steve Harvey say it this way. He said he was up in front of kids. He was talking about education. And he said, education is not the most important thing in your life. Education is important, 
But if you only point a kid toward education and you miss the thing that they're passionate about, you'll never get them to get their math or science grades elevated. But if they yeah. find out in order to be an airplane pilot, I need good grades in math, good grades in science. Guess what's going to go up? Their mm -hmm. grades in math and science because their, their passion propels them toward that future rather yeah. than just getting a grade in a classroom. So it's, oh it's my important. goodness. Yeah, that it's is important. So good. We've got, we've got to connect to kids where they're passionate about and reveal to them other possibilities. Absolutely. I see so many, I'm doing some work with uh, several universities and doing a lot of, of work with Shenandoah university. And when students get there, their freshman year, and I'll ask them how many freshmen I have in the class. And, and I'll say, do you know what you, some of them are like, don't really know what they want to do. They kind of chose a, a, a area to focus on to get a degree in, but they're still not sure. So that mentoring and coaching and internships is so critical in order for them to really leave there equipped to go to work. We hear from a lot of employers, they're educated, but that emotional intelligence and that, that the skills they need to come work for us, they don't have. Yep. And so getting that to students in a high school setting um, is so critical for, for where, where we want to see them going. So Scott, for the work that you're doing um, with the young people, when you're meeting with young people, what are you hearing from them? Well, the, the first thing we hear is, so what? Another thing, what do you want to talk to me about? Because they've heard so many voices. Quite frankly, a lot of these kids have been let down by so many people in so all their communities, in their classrooms, in their home. We often say in a school assembly, you came to school today hearing how lousy you are, how lazy you are, how you'll never amount to anything. And most of you don't have to come to school to hear that. Most of these kids hear that at home before they get to school. And so the trust relationship that you have to build is, is so underrated to people to, to understand that you have to build a bridge of trust to these kids. And so what they really want to know, what they're asking us is, what difference will this make in my life? Absolutely. Where is, where is this going to take me? And so it's important for us to show them, not only do we want to have a, a, an authentic relationship with you, but we want to hear from you. When I have a kid take a DISC inventory to evaluate their personality and how it might a, a, align itself with a specific career path, the first thing I want to say is, does that make sense to you? Does that does that re resound inside who you are? And I'll give you a great example of this. We did a test of this with some students about a month ago. We brought them into a room and we said, hey, what we want to do, we're going to take you through an inventory. And this inventory is going to re rely on you and who you are and what you put into it. But what you're going to get out of it, it's going to reveal who you are as a person, how you're wired. And it's going to suggest to you. And we want to make sure we emphasize suggest. It's not going to mandate this is rigid. This is who you are. This is what you do. It's these three careers or nothing. It's going to suggest to you, based on how you're wired, these career paths. Mm -hmm. We were about 75% through that test with these kids. It only takes about 30 minutes. They were about 75% through. And all of a sudden, one of the young people who was a junior in high school screamed in the room, 
that's me. Wow. We literally paused in the class and we walked over to her and said, "What what do you mean that's you? And she said, it's coming out the way I'm wired. One of the career paths is to be an animator. And I've always dreamed about being into animation and how I can be a part of animation. And so there happened to be an adult in the room who spent 10 years at Disney World in the entertainment industry. And so that person turned to this student and said, are you talking about animation like in cartoons and graphics? Are you talking about digital like Pixar and creating movies? And she said, probably a little of both. Now, if we just stopped right there and we said, that's who you are, that that resounds with who you are, that confirms who you are, without giving her the next step, we would have failed. Yes. because we had connections in that room before that young lady left that night, we had given her two animators, one who works full-time for Disney and one who is on the side working as an entrepreneur, as an animator, contact information for her to reach out to and get connected to. That's what they're looking for. Uh Give me what my next step is. Show me the process. I can understand my passion because I live with it. But once I understand my purpose, now connect me to my mission by showing me the pathway to get there. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. One of the things I've seen that we do just historically, even in schools and other nonprofit programs, is that we do that assessment, the strength finder, the gifts test. And that's where we leave it. They leave with that and they were like, okay. But that connection piece, just think about where we are in our life and our careers. We're only here because someone gave us the next step or we were sitting at a table and we were connected to someone that had the next step. I think some of us are born with, and I think for me, I was always looking for someone that were at the place where I want to be. And I found my way to that person, but not, not everybody's like that. Not everybody's going to go find their own connections, but teaching kids how to do that. I took some kids into a networking and I was like, you cannot just stand around in the corner, talk to each other. I need you to go. When we leave here, I need you to come back and tell me two people that you met because our young people don't know how to even do that. And we're not showing them. We're just saying, go network. And they come back like, I didn't meet anybody because we have not modeled it. We have not shown them how to do it. So that that's so important. I think that's that next level of really preparing our, 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 our young people to whether they're going to college or they're going to work, that they are equipped to be able to go and do that. Um, I know, you know, as well as I do, everything that's going on in our country and in our high schools from from gun violence to 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 fighting to whatever with our young people. I just want to ask you, what do you think, I know we don't all have a solution, we can't just put bandit, but in your opinion, what do you think needs to be happening in the schools in order to, for those kids that are really struggling emotionally, mentally, uh, psychologically, and academically, uh, what do you think as educators in those schools, what are some things that they could be doing for those young people early. Yeah, so I I would go back to 1999 when Columbine High School happened. 
And uh, I was in Nashville during that time. And we were actually doing powerhouse assemblies in 99 in Nashville. And I remember when that came out in the news and how it shook the country. We were just couldn't believe this would take place in one of our high schools in such a large capacity. And I remember going on radio shows. 99.7 was a radio show in Nashville. And I went on there and they asked, how can this happen in America's public schools? And my answer is the same today as it was in 1999. And that is this. If you do not provide hope and a process for success for any individual, it's going to lead to despair. And when you add to it what has taken place in our country with COVID and really what we just talked about, you took students into a room and said, don't leave this room until you can show me two people you can interact with. When we have now brought our students out of the classroom only through Zoom and little boxes on our screens, and there's no interaction socially with their lives, what we've literally taken from them is their opportunity to connect with another living human being to share their potential, share their passion, and give them the opportunity to just like you described, Yolanda, to network with somebody else who, number one, can confirm that I have value, mm-hmm. confirm that I'm in the right process, and can point me in the right direction to my next step. When you remove that, now you see across this country, they're saying up to 25% of our schools are dealing with anxiety and depression. And those are just the students who are reporting it. Yes. I mean, probably higher than that in every classroom. Mm -hmm. And the reason that the reason that they're dealing with anxiety and depression is because there's no one sitting beside them saying, let me show you the way. You, you know all the obstacles to your life. You can name them for me. It could be your home, your finances, where you live, who you live with. We can name all of those. But until you have somebody in your life that says, like I said earlier, I'm not necessarily concerned about your past. What I'm concerned about is your future. Mm-hmm. And if I can show you how to get to your future, would you walk that way with me? And I would say today in America, in all of our schools, I, I just had a meeting this morning with a mortgage company here in central Florida, who's going to come online with powerhouse because they see the potential of touching a generation. Here's what I said to him. What happened in Avaldi, Texas? What happened in Columbine high school? What happened with the park lane shooting? All we can name all of them. It's going to continue to happen. We're going to have another chapter written in our country until we in a proactive way, stop sitting back, but in get engaged with our children and our young people and share with them where they're at is not final. Where mm-hmm. they're at in the moment that they're living is not the final chapter of their life, but they have to see the next step. Yes. And that takes real sacrifice from adults where we Absolutely. have to stop hiding in our gated communities, stop hiding in our retirement years and realize we have so much to give back in these young people we can give them what they need in direction. If I I could give you one example of this. Mm -hmm. Last last week, July 5th, the day after we celebrated Independence Day, I had a meeting in a coffee shop right here in downtown. And I was meeting with a school board member. And I went in to talk to the school board member about sharing this vision so that we can get the school board behind what we're doing. And I noticed the door was locked when I got there. And he said, hey, we're, she's really closed today. She's only open because we're going to have this meeting. And I said, that's awesome. 
And so I walked in and there were three other people. There was a county commissioner there, a city council member. Uh, the school board member was there to meet me and the owner. And he said, don't worry about it. They're just here to listen in. This is just a meeting for you and I to talk. And we begin to talk about what we're talking about right now. Uh -huh. And the person who owned this little cafe sat beside me at another table with her laptop doing inventory for her coffee shop. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not listening. I'm just doing my work. And I said, okay. And about halfway through, she changed her posture and leaned into the conversation. She goes, okay, now I'm listening. She goes, I need to know something. I need to know, can this really make a difference? And then she just, she disclosed this to me. She said, I have a senior in high school at the school that you're about to go in. And I want to know if it's really going to make a difference. And with that, she called her daughter to come meet us at the restaurant. And she asked her daughter, would you use an app on your phone if it helped you get direction for your life? And her daughter's response was not yes or no. Her daughter's response was, where is this app? And she goes, it's not even built yet. We're talking about it. Would you use it? And her daughter said, without a question, 100%, I would use something like that who would give me direction. Now, what's amazing about that story is not the fact that she would use it. Uh -huh. After that conversation was over, she told me what she was going to pursue in life. And I asked her, how did you come to that conclusion? And she said, well, I went to a veterinarian because I thought that's what I wanted to be as a veterinarian. And I spent the day with a veterinarian and I realized I didn't like that environment. I wanted to be outside with the animals. And so someone else told me I should go meet with an equine therapy person who goes to the farms and meets with the horses and works them on site. And I spent a week doing that. And when I was done, I was in love with it. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Here's what I did. I turned to her mother and I said this. The difference between what I'm talking about and what just happened is that she has you. Right. Who gave her that opportunity to see what the path pathway might be for her life. Every student doesn't have that. Right. Powerhouse provides process. It, it takes one generation, connects it with the next so that that wisdom of all the past generations can now connect with a student. Beyond it, you know, you, the word we use, high tech, high touch. Uh -huh. The reason we use that, it's simple. If you're 55, 65 or 70 years of age and here in Central Florida, they're everywhere living in gated uh -huh. communities. They're afraid to go to a high school. They're, they're, they're intimidated by uh -huh. going to school. You don't have to be intimidated on your computer, or on your phone. Right. You can still engage and be with that student on a high tech platform and give them the information that they need to find the next step in their process. So what are students what they're looking for? They're looking yes. for passwords. Uh -huh. That is so good. Cause I was getting ready to ask you, <clears throat> and I'm glad you shared that, that, that experience with that parent, because a lot of these students are at home with parents that never received it. So they don't have it. They kind of fumbled through it and figured it out and, and got it. And, and for me and you, we've, we've spent time with our children. I, I started rolling or he started his first business at 11 and, and I knew what his interest was. And so I kind of connected him to people, but because we're in it every day, sometimes you can assume that everybody's getting it. That's right. So do you have a piece that's for parents? How can we 
get parents more engaged and maybe giving them the support to also encourage and support their children in what they're really been called to do and, and what their purpose and calling is. Yeah, absolutely. So what we try to do with the parent aspect, and you, you said it so perfectly, we make a big assumption that because you and I have been engaged in the process with our children, that every parent does that. Most parents are so overwhelmed with life that all they're thinking about is how I pay the mortgage or the rent. Right. right. They're not even thinking about how do I take my junior or senior in high school or even earlier than that. Now, you know, but okay. if they're not even by third grade reading right, right. they're already getting they're already getting behind. Mm-hmm. They don't have the capacity. So what we do is we go and we partner and we collaborate with other organizations who we feel can make an impact at that moment. So in the elementary schools, Powerhouse is not an elementary school program, but I'm going to go collaborate and partner with elementary programs that make differences in the parent's life. In other words, what can I put in the toolbox of a parent that's going to empower them to go home and feel better about their parenting skills, not Mm -hmm. to bash them, not to tell them that they're doing a lovely job, but to say to them, hey, you're not alone in this. You are not alone in this process. And we want you to know that if we put the right tools in your hand, just a little bit of turn on that wrench, a little bit of oil on this side can make a big impact. If I can just teach you to have a conversation with your son or your daughter while they're eating their dinner. Right. I've made a major victory for that family. Rather than Nothing happened at school today. Nothing's going on in my life that I need to talk about. If I can show you how to engage in their life based on that child's passion, I can create a conversation at home and that conversation can lead to a life change. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to, number one, collaborate with as many partners as we can who really want to make an impact, not just write it down or say it, but do it. Number two, how can we, in what we're doing in the public school forum, partner with the public school and say, how can we empower you because your platform's already here with -hmm. your parents and invite them to what we're doing to make them better in the process? Because you don't need another educator. You need a parent. You need a support Mm -hmm. system. And so Mm -hmm. really defining what the roles are for the parents or the guardians who are working with these kids to take that pressure off and say, look, you have to understand you're not alone in this. We are with you. We are walking with you. So help us empower you. And it's sometimes it's as simple as that. How can I give you some other tool in your toolbox that makes you go home and feel better about what you're doing as a guardian or a parent? Exactly. Exactly. That is so good, Scott. And so, so needed. And I am so glad that you did not stop. And and I want to talk to you about you not stopping. Like, you know, some people start stuff and they be like, this ain't going to work. I'm just like done. I've tried it for 15, 20 years and it hasn't moved to the level that I feel like it should have moved. And so I'm just done. But you didn't do that. And I, I want to know what has kept you really like focused on it, even when you went to do other stuff. When we would be in conversations, Powerhouse would still come up that piece will still come up. Even if you're working for other organizations doing other kind of impact in the communities, you would always come back to powerhouse. So, so share with me and those that will be listening and watching, what makes you not give up on this? 
I think probably if there was a baseline for me, why I did not give up on powerhouse is that my family would tell you it's my purpose. So no matter what I'm doing, where I found my energy and what nonprofit organization or church, where I was spending my time, everything always came back to the next generation. So even when I worked at the Hope Center, we were doing food and homeless prevention and jobs and free counseling. I would sit at a couch and I would see it through different spectacles. I would see someone come in to get food and I would always think, I wonder how we could get rid of generational poverty. I wonder how we can get rid of that generational mindset. And I would always go back to, we have to get to students younger. We have to get to who these kids are before they get to this point. I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that that's how God wired me, that I knew that this was my pathway. And that, as you know, back in 99 and 2000, 2002, even up to 2006, going around all those meetings, I almost felt sometimes like I was speaking a different language. Like, yeah. why don't you, why don't you understand this? I remember one time, I don't know if you were in that meeting, Yolanda, there was a, there was a, a foundation that I went in to meet with in Nashville. And I remember the, the executive director looked at me and she said, do you really believe teenagers have one of these? <laughs> I think I remember that. I remember that. That I was like, where have you been? Like, what? It was like, amazing to me. me. It, yeah. it, it just it, it really astounded me how disconnected so many people are. And I think really what kept me going and persevering in this is I haven't seen the need go away. Yeah. Every time, you know, if there, I used to say this all the time, if somebody else comes up with the concept to go out and see this happen, I'll be the first one to volunteer. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. Yeah. But I haven't found anything that has sustainability. I haven't found anything that is scalable that can yeah. reach into the lives of these kids and provide exactly what I knew that God had put in my heart that they needed. And that was this. I mean, if I, if I go back spiritually speaking to my faith, there's a scripture in Psalm 139 that says, for you created my inmost being, you mm-hmm. knit me together in my mother's womb. All your works are wonderful. I know that full well. If I believe that scripture is true, then I have to believe that every child I stand in front of was created by God with a purpose. Mm-hmm. They were wired on purpose for a reason. The whole discovery method is what we call life mm-hmm. of coming out of our mother's womb and being directed by a, hopefully a mom, a dad, some caregiver who can give yes. them direction to find it. And today what we have are children who come out of the womb with no one giving them direction. You know, our sons and daughters were blessed in the fact that we were looking at them. And, you know, my son and my daughter are as different as night and day. But our goal as parents, when we looked at them and Valerie and I waited seven years to have children because we thought the only reason you have kids is to name it, dress it and see what it looks like. And we we decided until there's a better reason to have a child, we right. wait. But once we had children, we had one purpose as parents, and that was to build a launch pad for their lives. Mm-hmm. And no matter how different they were, we wanted to find out where their passions were and get behind that passion. 
So yeah. Peyton at 13 had her own business. She created a princess business that today is still going in Nashville, Tennessee. It's expanded. Wow. Unbelievable how many employees they have because mm -hmm. as a 13-year-old girl, she had a desire and a passion. I didn't know anything about a princess business. Yeah. But I knew that that's where her passion was. So I think for me, you know, what kept me going is every child I come in, in, in contact with to realize their potential and to realize that if they were just given the right process, that they could find success. And I'm not willing to, to give that up for any yeah. kid. And so yeah. I, I, I get moved emotionally. I get mo moved mentally when I walk into a public school and all I see is the top of their heads because they're looking down depressed about their day. Yeah. All I see is the potential of every kid if they could know what their possibility is. That's so good. And that's what I love about you. It's it's like some people do things because they know they're going to make money and, and it's good. You got to be able to take care of your families and all of that. But I knew just knowing you throughout the years that you didn't just care about how your children turned out. You cared about every young person that you ran into. I saw it with my own eyes. I've been in, in settings where I've seen that. And that's why I can get behind it. That's why I will continue to support it. That's why I will talk about it as much as I can. That's why I had you on today. And I wanted to ask you, I was just thinking about this, this young person. And then I'm going to ask you to share kind of how people can reach you and how can they support. I was just thinking, I was talking to a friend and her nephew went off to the military. He just got through with his training. She was going to his graduation. And she was like, he was so excited because they told him his different areas that he would work in, that they felt like he was good in based on how they assessed him. And he's good in technology. He was like, I never knew I was good in that. And it just brings me back to what you're sharing. When people find out what they're good in and that people has actually told them that they weren't good in or that you never can work in that sector people that look like you don't do that or people that that live where you live don't do that and you expose them to it and they see that's for me too i'll never forget these young women i took to a restaurant on west end and they had never been out of the inner city and i didn't realize this that they had never went to a set down restaurant they always went through drive-through and so i'm in this restaurant with them and they go in the bathroom and they're so excited about how nice the bathroom is. And it hit me. And I was like, wow, they've never been exposed to this. And they sit at the table and they kept saying, when are they going to bring us a napkin? Cloth napkins were sitting on the table. And they kept saying, when are they going to bring us a napkin? I said, your napkin is there. And it's like, oh, no, we can't, we can't use it. I said, no, that's your napkin. And I think I'll say it again. We take for granted things that we've been exposed to. And when young people see stuff outside of their environment that they've never seen, then they see the possibilities and what they have the opportunity to pursue. And so I want to thank you and all those involved with you with Powerhouse for continuing to persevere and to move this thing forward. And, and as much as the pandemic and COVID has been a mess, it has allowed us to see how well we can put tools together and processes and programming together in a virtual, in an online space where the young people already are <laughs> yep. and give them what they need. So I just want to thank you for that and want to ask you to share how people can get in touch with you. What are your needs right now for Powerhouse? And then how can people reach out and, and, and learn more and get involved? 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. And we will continue and we're seeing great things happen. This is a big week for us. So this week we are meeting with our county commission and uh, we were actually asked by them, um, how can you do something with our Lake County schools? And so, man, Thursday is going to be a pivotal meeting for us uh, this yeah. week. And so people can be praying for that meeting. What our needs are right now, we're, we're getting ready to drop a GoFundMe account on Friday. So on Friday, we're going to drop a GoFundMe account. And what we're doing is the app company that we're working with doesn't know yet how much this app is going to cost because we have to go into what's called discovery process, where we're going to sit down for a seven week period and begin to understand all the components that need to go into this app. How can it be scalable so it doesn't crash? How can yeah. it be Apple approved so that we can get it out there on a national platform? Because everything we're talking about, once it's launched, can happen in any school system. Mm 